Sam, house money houser, sizzles in his first career start. Jason Tatum comes alive in the second half to deliver a win against a subpar team. Not a luxury we've been able to enjoy as often as we'd like this season. We're going to talk all about it next on First to the Floor. It's going to be first to the floor here, and it was Marcus Smart as he usually is. That's not the first time we've seen a superstar in green and white sacrifice the body. Hey, hey, welcome into another episode of First to the Floor. Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well, which I'm sure you are as the Celtics managed to defeat, like I said, a subpar opponent for once for the first time in what feels like forever. Just an end-to-end, for the most part, with the exception of the fourth quarter, a decisive win against the team they should beat. Joining me, Wayne Spoonie, Jake Eisenberg. Spoonie, we'll start with you. How you doing, sir? Good. Hey, the Pistons... You know, they give us a hard time, dude. I, I'm not, grit. You can't take them lightly. They're, they got a lot of talent <laughs> if they're horribly coached, but not horribly coached, just young, inexperienced. But I was scared going in, so I'm glad they pulled it out. I'm always scared. Jake, how are you, yeah. buddy? <laughs> thank God. Hey, just thank you. Just thank you for winning the game, please. That just would have been a very upsetting next two days. Same. Our lives are, you know, marginally better for the next 48 hours at least. Yeah, absolutely. Now, before we get into the game, just a heads up, we are live streaming the trade deadline. We're going to get started at about 2 p.m. Eastern time. That's 6 a.m. Aussie East Coast time. So like an hour before the actual deadline. I know we're going to get up super early. I'm going to (laughs) be in like the recess under my house. I've got a green screen I'm going to set up there. It's a whole deal. So (laughs) stream in to see that if nothing else. Uh, Yeah, so we're going to have a big screen up on the live stream with all the tweets from all your big gun newsbreakers your Wojas, your Shams, etc. We'll be reacting to all the news of the day through the lens of, I guess, how that impacts the Celtics. So come and join us for that one, 6 p.m. I guess that's Thursday night there for you folks on the East Coast of the USA. Spoonie, let's get back to the, the Pistons game here. What were your main takeaways from this one? You know, I... Uh, obviously, Tatum was incredible, and I won't mention the other guy who was incredible because I will allow Jake to do that because I know he's <laughs> itching too, but... Uh, one one way a bad team can beat you is effort. And like I think the biggest effort stat is rebounding. And with Durin, Stu Beef, I mean, they have some size and athleticism, and we won the rebounding battle by seven, which I would not have expected going in. Um, but uh, you know, I thought that was a huge thing. Like we we kept them off the offensive glass. We had 10 offensive rebounds ourselves, six of them from Robert Williams. Oh, yes. Uh, so, yeah, I, that was like my big takeaway, what I was worried about. Man, yeah, Rob and Duran is almost like the Spider-Man pointing at each other meme. They are just both monsters on the glass. And so it was good to see Rob kind of take that, take that battle personally and get, you know, 15 boards, six of them offensive. You know, very classic Rob Williams. Like, you know, this, this is the, the chosen one imagined, you know, like the 15-15 two steals, two you know, assists, and a block. Great to see that, but it's time to book the hotel room. <laughs> it's time to, to work <laughs> <in> late. <laughs> work late tonight. The mistress. Say more. What a game. <laughs> what a game by, by my man, D. White. Um, the mistress was did everything we needed from him tonight. As, again, your emergency point guard can give you 23-7-7 seven, and seven with Elite D for 37 minutes. Um, one turnover. One t- yeah, I yeah. mean, 
And that's, you know, that's exactly, exactly what you need. And it was timely as well. Early, you know, the offense was a little clunky and, you know, getting to the basket and ones, dunking and one, I think three and ones in this game. Yeah. An absurdly big three, about four or five minutes to go. Uh, has to be, has to be the MVP of the game outside of Tatum, obviously, but um, D.Y. from start to finish was getting the ball moving, getting everybody involved, playing defense, doing all the things that I love about him. We saw him pull a few new items out of his bag as well. He had that one, the second quarter, like back down, post up, and then the fake spin. Yes. Back around to his right and a finish over. I think it was a big that he finished over, but um, just limitless, the skill set, I suppose, which is everything <laughs> you want in a mistress. Uh, Spoonie, every, <laughs> any other additional thoughts on, on Derek White? Yeah, I thought uh, he does this really well when he's the main point guard, but tonight was no exception. He just keeps the pace up. He just keeps the ball moving. It never sticks with him. Um, And he's just such a good decision maker. And defensively, he was everywhere, dude. He was like bothering handles. He was getting into passing lanes. Um, He didn't have a steal, but I thought he was really, really good on the defensive end and got called for a cheapy foul or two as well that I do not think he deserved. So. Just an incredible performance, team high, plus 18. Um, so, yeah, just guys are third point guard. You know what I mean? It's incredible. Yeah, yeah. the depth is ridiculous on this team. And yet, uh, I suppose we can get straight into this. Like, I don't mean to, to shoot too far away in one direction from the game, but fourth quarter, looks like it's all done and dusted. Tatum sits. I know we're missing a few starters, but you know Tatum sits, and that's great because let's put the depth on display. Let's use the rest of our team to to bring this one home because we have that depth. And then this, you know, bottom bottom line Pistons team, they bring their way back into the game quite quickly, quite easily, just due to the absence of Tatum. Jay, cool. Like, what are your thoughts? I guess like on that, and then zooming out. Do you think overall this was a good performance from the Celtics, despite that little pocket of misery in the beginning of the fourth quarter? It was eerily similar to the Phoenix game in that as soon as Tatum was out, it was just, like the lead just evaporated instantly. Like all of a sudden it was single digits. It's like, sure, you know, understandable. We're missing three guys. The bench isn't going to be as good tonight. Um, but can we at least tread water? Um, because Tatum played another 39 minutes again. Like I wrote in the notes, it's just like, oh, Not good um, enough. <laughs> where is Tatum? Eight minutes to go on the fourth, he's back. And instantly comes off a uh, pin down, get downhill, help comes, alley-oop to Rob, lead goes back up to nine. And you, like it did get a little dicey from there. I think Killian Hayes hit a, like a ridiculous step back three over Tatum the next possession. But as soon as Tatum came back in, it was like, okay, the offense works again. Because the defense I thought with, the, with Tatum out was still fine. It's just the offense becomes absolutely rudderless um, without him out there. Um, so, and more broadly, was it a good performance from the Celtics? Um, yet, yes and no, I think. Um, what, what was the final squad? Uh, like 12 or something like 111. that? 111.99. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess you kind of you took care of business. It didn't get below, what was it, six points um, as tight as it felt. I didn't actually think that they were going to lose a game at any point. Um, seeing Sam Hauser come out and break out of his slump, that's something you wanted to see. Um, big deal to, to see that because he hasn't had a game like that since what feels like late November. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think overall the guys you want to see play well played well. 
um, it's just the collective of that second unit uh, continues to be something that they're searching for. Yeah, I think it was a solid performance for the most part. Like against a team like the Pistons, Tatum should be able to coast for the first half of the game, which he absolutely did. I was a little worried yes. about him to begin with. It looked like his feet were stuck in mud there. You should be able to get away with without two starters. You should be able to start Sam Hauser, who was electric, and for, well, for a little <laughs> bit, <laughs> we'll talk about. Um, all of those things happened, and the Celtics felt pretty much in control of this game for the most part outside of that early stretch, that pocket of misery, as I've, I've been calling it lately, <laughs> yes. uh, to begin the fourth quarter. Now, Scooney, <laughs> any, any additions there? I thought it was a great performance from the starters and a terrible performance from the bench. I mean, Brogdon, he got Brogdon. some points, but I didn't think he played particularly well. Three turnovers. Um, Grant was oh, another boy. game to add to sort of the growing list of bad performances game recently. Low, minus 11. Yeah, and and Pritchard, uh, just kind of a nothing burger, hit that one nice corner three, but that's about it. I do like like Pritchard's energy. He was kind of hounding Killian Hayes, making it hard for him to get into the offense, which was nice. So I think, um, but the starters, like Rob won us that game. What do you have, three straight offensive rebounds in the fourth like, quarter? And yeah, he got two critical. buckets and won one or two from the line. Like that was an incredible performance from Rob and, you know, as Bill Sy says in the chat here, shout out, Bill. Thanks for stopping in. You know, I just wrote a very, very long piece about Rob that is essentially chapter one of a fantasy novel. Uh, <laughs> so go check that out. And one of the things I wanted it's to awesome. see. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thanks, man. One of the things I want to see Rob do is shoot mid-range jumpers. And he had a few opportunities tonight and he didn't. Pull the trigger, Rob. You're feeling it. You're going 15-15, two assists, two steals and a block. Like, Pull the trigger on a midi or something, dude. Mm. But uh, Rob was incredible. He was awesome. He was. He's starting to do it more. He's get. He's putting his hand up when he's and he's asking for the ball in the post when he's got a small defender on him. No one even acknowledges his existence when he does do that. Um, but it is a small sign of him starting to look a little bit more for that offense. Uh -huh. I would also add that even when they do, or when they eventually end up acknowledging <laughs> that hand in the air, their ability to throw an accurate pass oh, to him no. is, is very limited, to Missing be smart. kind about it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's very reminiscent of our ability to not throw lobs for the past, like, eight years. Yeah, <laughs> Harry Rozier was singing that song yeah. very loudly off the top of a mountain uh, once upon a time. <laughs> uh, should we get to Sam Hauser? How have we gone 11 minutes and 43 seconds and not talked about Sam Hauser? Uh, house party... House money, it's a housing boom, you know, with all the puns. <laughs> we're bringing them all back out. We're dusting them off. Jake, what are your thoughts on, on Sam Hauser's game in this one? Is it an anomaly or is it a sign of things to come? I can't believe I'm even asking that, but what, He's what do you back, think? He's back, baby. He's back. Is that it? Uh, He's just back? I, don't, I hope so. I hope so. There was Me another, the, the Orlando <laughs> game, which wasn't that long ago. He also shot really well. There was some games in the middle where he shot much worse. And then he's back today. <laughs> so I don't know, Ben. I really hope so because it is crazy how much, and like you talk about, you know, the bench or whatever, but Tatum's life and the offense, yeah, three Sam, um, amazing. Um, when Tatum and Hauser are cooking, it's beautiful. They both create a lot of gravity. Even though Sam hasn't shot threes well for like 10 weeks, people are still closing out pretty hard on him especially once he started to make one or two. Um, one, you know, Tatum, we found Hauser for a couple of kickouts, but also Hauser found Tatum um, after Tatum passed it to him and was able to drive off of the space that Tatum had created. 
Um, when Hallis is hitting shots, it makes the offense really, really smooth um, on that second unit. Like when those Tatum and the Benji units were just killing everybody, it's because Hauser was going like three for four from three or two for five from three every single game. Um, and like if he's a good shooter, which we have like four or five years of evidence that he is, like the, he gets really, really clean looks with Tatum out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we're at a point right now. Um, and we'll find out after the trade deadline. But like, even if there was no trade deadline, I think you kind of have to go to Hauser over Grant right now. Um, even just to see like, cause Hauser's not scared to fire these bad boys up. Like, no. even when he, yeah, like he's, he's letting it go. So I think we're at a point, at least right now in this moment, um, Grant's defense again, some moments today, which was, which was tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hauser got called for a couple of, he goes to that really nice move where he kind of like steps kind of diagonally back to the right or the left hands up and guys kind of like bounce off him. He got screwed on, on at least one really bad one today. The defense has been at least comparable to what Grant's giving you, uh, at least lately. So I think you kind of have to lean Hauser right now, especially off a game like this. Like if, if Towson can come in next game, uh, the Sixers with their poor perimeter defense, you're going to have kick out opportunities. If Hauser can hit some big threes in the garden or is it in Philly, either way, the environment, uh, that could go a long way to rebuilding uh, the confidence of a shooter um, who are like little, who are like kickers in the NFL. You just gotta get get them back <laughs> on track for like a half, and that could be bad, and they could be back. I I I, I don't know about the defense, yeah. Jake. Yeah, uh, he got <laughs> roasted a, a couple what, of times tonight. Was it, wor- but- was it worse than Grant's defense today? I I think so. Okay. Yeah, I, I think He's it was. <laughs> I, I mean, it is not nearly as big of a gap as it should be considering how good Grant has been on defense for most of his career. So, uh, yeah, but Hauser had some rough ones, man. I think Ivy just at, that when Ivy had that huge dunk, Hauser yes. was just like in complete no man's land. And he definitely got hit for at least one or two questionable foul calls. So I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt there. Mm-hmm. But uh, you just got to hope that he finds that stroke again man because if he's shooting it like that yeah i'm with you jake like against philly like how they use george's knee how philly uses yeah. george's niang is just like you gotta stick to him or you know move him around a little bit so when the double comes to Embiid, he's just walking into wide open threes all the time like we can do that type of stuff with hauser so it will be a it kind of yeah, to your kind of greater point, Jake, it sort of starts to make Grant a little bit expendable if Hauser's going to find his game, but I do not trust that he has off of None. You know, one good of performance when we against have, the yeah. Pistons. Yeah, so yeah. And the Magic was the other one I cited. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah I, I'm concerned if we're having conversations about leaning on Hauser more than Grant. I get it, like in the vacuum of a week in the NBA, you go with like the hotter hand or who's the more the better contributing player. But we need Grant Williams to be playoff Grant Williams again by the playoffs, which is, again, smooth brain take. That's obvious, but it's it's very worrying <laughs> and concerning that at the same time, he's nowhere close to that. And at the same time, we're having starting to have conversations about, well, we've got Hauser, so that's fine. It's not. It's not fine. Like, we need Grant to be solid again sooner rather than later. Should we talk about Jason Tatum just for a little bit longer? I just feel like we haven't yeah. like do yeah. done his game justice. Really, really slow start to begin the game. Like I said, I was a little worried because mm-hmm. with the absences, we needed Tatum to be like heliocentric Tatum. He wasn't really in this game. 
Made a few good passes early to find other guys, good open looks, including Sam Hauser early in this one, but really like wasn't getting into his offense as far as his own personal scoring particularly well and looked sluggish with his attempts at the rim, with getting into his step back three. He just wasn't really finding it. Comes out in the second half and he's like, we're not losing this game. Absolutely, we're not losing this game. And just like yeah. completely laid the smack down. And was, he made the Pistons defense just look like a sieve. And he's just like this beautifully soft flower just trickling through the sieve, <laughs> getting to the rim, scoring at will. Uh, Spoony, well, I mean, you were getting excited in our Slack during this game over Tatum. What were your thoughts on his performance? Uh, just the fact that he could just flip the switch and then no one could stay in front of him. And I thought he got fouled on a couple yeah. of the, the layups. He tough layups that he finished. I mean, he was just going so strong to the rack. Like it's frustrating because when he does that, it's like, man, he was coasting so bad yeah, in that really first was. half. <laughs> uh, and, but I think he had five assists in the first half and then didn't get another assist until that, or I guess he had four in the first half. And then didn't get another assist until that oop to Rob in the middle of the fourth quarter. And it wasn't because he wasn't he was playing bad. It's just because in the third quarter he was just relentlessly driving <laughs> to the rack and scoring. And then once he got a couple of those to go, he started getting to the step back, and that was money too. So eleven rebounds too against a, a tough rebounding team with Isaiah Stewart and Durin. So I just thought he was awesome on both ends. He had that crazy block too um, on Ivy, who's Ivy, an incredible yeah. athlete in his own right. And he just got up and swatted that thing to the moon. Um, so he was awesome. Clearly the best player on either team. And then some, like several tiers above everybody, except yeah. bar maybe Rob Williams. I feel like he did this to the Pistons last game as well. Um, where he, he, he Yeah, does, he did. Yeah. And, yeah. They, and they have the ex-Celtics coach, right? What's his name? Jerome Allen? Jerome Allen. Jerome yeah. Allen. Yep. And... It was a story afterwards about like, yeah, double him, like, yeah. and then Tatum's just chirping back to him. It's like, doesn't matter, bro. I, yeah. I'm just, and he has that. And I feel like sometimes he needs to not get a few of those calls because um, he gets angry and he just was just relentlessly attacking and then kind of just barking at the other team. Just being like, I'm bigger, stronger. That spin move where he goes left, spins back the other way, and then he's pretty much at the rim. Um, the... <laughs> The, the the stark difference between the first quarter and the third quarter, um, which is why when he's not playing well and he's not playing aggressive, it can be quite, quite frustrating because it's very obvious the difference in play style and the force that he plays with when he when he does flip the switch. Yeah, he was uh, making them look like judgey league team in that third quarter. And it's a great feeling when the other team just kind of like, no one's saying like, why did you do this? Why did you do that? Like complaining at each other. They're just kind of just, Looking around, looking for, looking for a spiritual entity to save them. <laughs> well, he, he handled those. Du- Sorry, go ahead. Ben. No, go ahead. Spence. I was just gonna say he did a really great job. That they threw a double at him in the corner, and no one came to him. Yeah. And then after that, I thought he did an awesome job handling the doubles too, because that can you know you start turning the ball over on double teams, all of a sudden nine point leads four, mm-hmm. and then it's tricky. But he did a really good job. Found D White for a three, and then. Uh, just like splitting them at times. It was great. So the mistress, then JT, some effective and very physical rebounding from Rob Williams, really the story in this one. The only other takeaway I had from a, a fairly innocuous game, really, like with February against a well below 500 team, uh, <laughs> the the 
our defense, the Celtics defense against the Pistons pick and roll offense was, you know, I talked about Tatum creating a sieve out of the Pistons defense a second ago. That was, it seemed problematic for the Celtics and particularly, and this again, obvious, but when Rob Williams was off the floor, Horford, I think, was victimized by that uh, pick and roll attack by the Pistons on quite a few occasions. Jake, any like concerns walking away from that one, or do you just take that as like a a commensurate lack of effort from the yeah. from the Celtics, given the, the portion of the of the schedule that we're at? I do wonder if the drop the bingo <laughs> yeah, cat <laughs> cat alert. Um, I do wonder how much of the drop defense with Al Horford we will see come playoff time, because if this was an important game. Like, there is no reason to not switch every pick and roll on this Pistons team. Like, Ivy is probably the only one that's yeah. going to probably get a step consistently on Al that you worry about actually finishing at the rim. Even then, he's had Ivy's had his issues kind of, you know, being consistent uh, in isolation this season. So I wonder, like, when it gets to the playoffs, are we just going to be switching a lot more often? Because I, or are we going to be tighter on the coverage? Al going to be closer to the level? Because there's a chasm of space when these guys are coming off the pick and roll. Um, so when you get to the playoffs, one of these can be tighter on their drop. Um, Al's going to be up more. And then Ali's going to switch more often. Because for a lot of situations, I trust Al still in isolation against pretty much most of the Eastern Conference. Um, so I think, it's, I think it's twofold. Just like, it's chill for Al. Just get your hands back there. Yeah. Stick them up and hope they kind of miss those 12 to 14 footers, which they did a lot of today. Well, I think we can move on from the game, unless you've got any thoughts on on any other portion of this one, Spoonie or Jake, but I think we hit on everything that is relevant, given like whoever out of the season, right? Like, I'm let's move on to some trade deadline stuff. Trade Thanks for Boyan, dude. He's a baller. Hell yeah. Is that even <laughs> he's possible? He's good. <laughs> yeah, he can cook. Yeah. Yeah, he's incredible. Well, here is, just to move on, a quote from Stephen A. Smith. Um, He says, quote, By the way, I'm hearing that Kevin Durant is on the verge of potentially being moved. Obviously, we've all been speculating about that, that he may be moved. I'm hearing Boston is making some calls. Keep your eye on Jalen Brown. Keep your eye on that. That's, again, Uh. courtesy of Stephen A. Smith. Um, Jake, Spoonie, (laughs) I'll I'll throw it out there. One of you guys can can throw it down. Uh, any, Any substance to this? At all. There probably yeah. is some substance in far as like someone on the Nets side told Stephen A that we're, we called Boston again about how realistic a JB trade is. That doesn't mean we're offering KD. That doesn't mean Boston said, yeah, it's still on the table. It literally just means that someone in the Nets organization told Stephen A, may not have been the person who made the call, that someone in a meeting said, oh, look, you know, Jalen Brown's one of those guys. If you did decide to move it, that could be one of those guys. You can't trust anything from Stephen A. Is like solid reporting. Uh, you got to you got to go with stick with only the big dogs in these types of situations. The shams is in the words, and even then, you got to take it with a little bit of a grain of salt to figure out who benefits with certain information being leaked. And if you've noticed, Brad runs a whatever the opposite of a leaky ship is. Tight ship. There we go. Tight ship. Great work. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, we could probably be quick with this. Uh, I, I suppose, Spoonie, I'll throw it to you this way. Before the season started, when all of this sort of talk emerged, I think we all agreed in unison that we wouldn't trade JB for Kevin Durant just because almost we'd prefer to lose with Jalen Brown than we would to to break up the, the team and, and try to win with Kevin Durant. <laughs> Given what we've seen from KD and JB throughout the course of this season so far, Spoonie, has your mindset on that changed at all? Hey, uh, how, how many points is Durant averaging the last two weeks? Zero, because he's hurt and, and he's old. 34 years old yeah. and he makes $50 million. No, my stance has absolutely not changed. Get it out of here. Stephen A. Smith, he's a genius. He knows how to get clicks. He knows how to get views. That's what he's doing here. I just th- get out of here with Durant, dude. Like He's obviously a better player than Jalen Brown, but he's 34 and he's just getting hurt a lot. Like, do you think? Can he last four rounds in the playoffs? Like, I don't know. Probably well, not. Can, can I play a devil's advocate for a second? Yeah, They're sure. all like inadvertent contact injuries, people falling into That's, his yeah. knee. Uh, you know, it's not like he's, you know, his body's breaking down or anything. He's, he's getting himself into little car accidents out there on the court. Yeah, but when you're like seven feet tall and 170 pounds, like you're just a lot more prone to that. And like maybe when he was 25, someone falling on him that way, it wouldn't have torn whatever, wouldn't have hurt him. But now that he's older, he's nursing a bunch of injuries. He doesn't go to the rim anymore at all. Like I think at last I checked, he was averaging like four attempts at the rim or something ridiculously low like that. He's on the downslope. He's still an incredible player. He's still top five player, I think pretty easily. He's one, you know, one more fall the wrong way from like being done for the season, dude. Like it is just an absurd risk. Our window is open for half a decade right now. And if you trade for Durant, that closes real quick. Plus with the contracts, you'd have to probably include Derek White or Malcolm Brogdon. No, thank you. Mm-hmm. If uh, we I get a notification should... on Friday morning and it's Jalen and Gallo. I, I can't be mad at Brad for making for pulling the trigger on that. When you see how good the Celtics team is, and you're like, "Oh, the Ben like Tatum off the court is an issue for the offense." You know what solves all of those problems by like, and then adds a whole another how many points on your offensive rating is Kevin Durant, who's like the best shooter of all time at seven foot tall, while That's also fair. being yeah. like, while also being like. <laughs> A pretty, a pretty significantly better defender than Jalen. That's just, I just wouldn't be, I wouldn't be upset with Pratt. I wouldn't Look, be upset I, with him. If that happens, I will sell myself on that <laughs> within we minutes. Yeah, but for now, but Doc, man, I'm just so worried about get him getting hurt. And then you have $50 million sitting on the bench. And if you trade Brogdon, or rather Gallo and JB, I'm pretty sure that raises the tax bill even higher. So does that mean we can't add another piece as well? And so, I don't know, man. That just seems so incredibly risky when you're literally the championship favorite right now. I wouldn't be mad at Brad, but I'd just be upset because I am like ride or die with the Jays, right? Like, like yeah. I said, I'd prefer to lose with the Jays than win with Kevin Durant. And uh, I will die on that hill. Although, like you said, Spoonie, I will convince myself Otherwise, if the trade <laughs> does happen, but I feel like it's pretty unlikely to at this point. Let's move on. Grant Williams is wanted <laughs> by the Heat and the Cavs. Uh, we've got a couple of tweets here. This is from NBA Central. <laughs> picture. 
The Miami Heat continued Hardly to express done. interest in Grant Williams per Greg Silverlander. And then we've got Chris Fedor tweeting, the NBA deadline is days away. The Cavs have checked in on Grant Williams, among others. Is there anything to this, guys? Do we even care? Like, Grant Williams um, being wanted by other teams, given how many gripes we have for him internally, feels funny to me. Do you, do you think there's any, like, obviously there's some smoke here. Spoonie, do you think there's any fire? I certainly think teams are interested in Grant Williams. NBA front offices are not nearly as reactionary as fans. Like, they see Grant, he's a <laughs> young player, they? he's still shooting 40% from three. He proved he could guard Giannis. Like, it's not crazy to me that two other East contenders are interested in him. Please do not trade him to the Cavs. He is exactly what the Cavs need on that team, dude. He would, I really think, make them a make them a more legitimate threat in the playoffs because they really need a wing defender who can shoot threes. So, um, yeah, I definitely think there's smoke, and I definitely think I wouldn't be shocked if Brad is entertaining offers for Grant. I don't see what Cleveland has to give us. Yeah. Uh, or Miami, now. really. Yeah. And Miami's even worse, but it's like yeah. anyone in the sub-10 million range, unless you start looking at some of their bigger contracts, like Chetty Osman, Okoro, Rubio, there's nothing there that really... Taco Fall apparently is still on the roster, technically, <laughs> for, uh, for Cleveland. So, I don't really see it unless you're getting back like a pick which Cleveland doesn't have any of so I don't sure, sure I see the mechanics of this deal and on how and then you kind of run into the same issue like whatever you get back from Cleveland on this roster like even if it's Karis Vert which wouldn't, wouldn't happen because he's a free agent after this year and he's making 18 million so to throw in even more um, I think you're going to you're going to be wishing you had another wing on top of whoever you bring back anyway so um, I don't sure I really see it. I always kind of like Lamar Stevens. So if you get like Stevens and Osman, but like that's not that's not a deal that Brad's doing. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, we just saw, I, I talked about it earlier, but Grant, his defense on guys like Kevin Durant and, and Giannis, like that's a very rare and unique skill. There are very few guys in the league who can do that and then turn around, run to the other end of the court, run to the corner and jack up threes at, at a 40% clip. Like he is... In a slump at the moment, but he is extremely valuable to this team. He is a role player as far as the X's and O's basketball side of things. He is a starter from the team culture standpoint, in my opinion. And there would be ripples uh, across the team. Obviously, I'm speculating here. If he were to be traded, I do think that personally and chemistry-wise, Grant Williams would be missed to some degree. Spoonie, do you buy into that at all? Like, is the team so set on winning? that they jettison Grant Williams off there for, I don't know, like an OG and an OB. Obviously, we're throwing in multiple picks in that scenario. Um, is that going to have a negative effect on the team if, if Grant Williams is sent out in, in some form of a trade? I think if it's a guy like OG, the players will get it. You know? Um, sure. It's like, oh, well, we, we got OG and an OB. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> Taylor and Jalen will be like, all right, that yeah. works. Uh, we'll drive it we the love airport. you, Grant, but yeah. sorry, buddy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I Grant, you got your passport. Yeah. I love coming over for Settlers of Catan, funny yeah. guy. I dubbed him the Vibe Lord last year, the Vibe Master. I, I agree with you, Ben. I do think that he has um, a special role in it as far as the team chemistry goes. Like he's Every group of friends needs the guy that everybody can roast and to know that guy loves it. And that it's, everybody can just feed off that. It's, it's a roast party. Everybody loves a roast party. Um, and Grant, I think, you know, 
He's always inviting people over for said parties. So I do think chemistry-wise, it would have an impact. I don't know a lot about OG Ananobi as the, the person. Um, I just hope he hits dagger threes in our eyeballs every mm-hmm. time we play them. Um, Gets dunked on by Jalen Brown in the bubble. One of my favorite that. dunks of all time. <laughs> all right. Well, we all love Grant. We all hate the slump that he's in, and we all hope <laughs> that it ends soon. Uh, let's move on. Eric Pincus of Bleacher Report tweeted out a list of, or I suppose it was part of an article, so go Google that, a list of potential buyout candidates. So I'm, I'm going to run down the list now and just stop me if you hear a name that you think is of importance to the Celtics. John Wall. Mason Plumley. Stop. Ding, 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 oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. I thought you might stop me there. What do you, what do you think? Guy Spence. Uh, I, I don't love Plumley. I think he's a bizarre player to watch. Shoots his free throws lefty now. Um, but look, you need to eat some minutes, give Rob and Al a rest. Like Plums is a better player than Blake Griffin at this point. He hits the glass. He sets hard screens. He can protect the rim some. Like he would be a great third big. I think he's a clear upgrade on Luke Cornett as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, give me Plumley on a buyout, dude. I think that'd actually be a pretty good get. He's a good passer too. He, he can like move the ball and like hit cutters and stuff. So. Uh, I would love Plumley uh, on a buyout. I actually think they can probably get something in a trade for him, even if it's like a second or two. Yeah, Plumley would be awesome as a third big. Yeah, Cornet's been solid, but Plumley would be like a very clear upgrade over Cornet. Um, he, yeah, exactly. The offense, I think, would probably be the underrated part. He can he can grab the ball and go, push it in transition, find guys. Um, he's up to sixty percent from the line, which is impressive because mm-hmm. he was. A, like sub 40 early in the year and he switched to the left hand um it's ridiculous yeah, yeah. yeah. like there's the ben simmons of, method it's bad he, that's what ben simmons <laughs> needs to do to change hands um there's videos of, of Plumley shooting like like 12 footers and the bench of opposing teams like recoiling in horror it doesn't matter really what that looks like um he's still a solid player and i think would be an upgrade um but yeah if you can get him in a buyout definitely definitely something to to the team. I think Cornet was out sick tonight. Was that why he was out tonight? Ankle sprain. Ankle yeah, sprain. He was he got out hurt. Sick. That's yeah. Jalen, yeah. Yeah, probably should have led with that information. Sorry, listeners. Uh, all right. <laughs> well, I want to say about Mason Plumley that he is absolutely the unsung hero of my fantasy team. Doing very well there. <laughs> Moving on. Rest of the list here. Serge Ibaka. No. Bow. Russell Westbrook? God, <laughs> no. Talk about messing up the vibes. Yeah, not a, not a no. culture piece for you, Jake. did. No, <laughs> come on. No, absolutely He's not. He's been pretty solid this year. I can't I lie. know. Yeah. Get off the bench, rift, no. you know, give him 15 minutes a night. Like, he can uh, start in Maine. That's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. <with him>. <laughs> Derek Rose, Corey Joseph, Nerlens Noel. Stopping you on that one. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. He's not great anymore. I think injuries have kind of sapped what was his greatest strength was his athleticism ability to move his feet protect the rim but again just big man depth like i think he can eat some minutes for you and i think he's probably better than luke at this point but he hasn't played much this year has he i haven't really heard much about no, him playing no, he's on so. detroit isn't he mm-hmm. yeah, no, yeah yeah they cut to him on the broadcast tonight yeah. but uh and they were like yeah this dude's just sitting here waiting to be bought yeah. out or traded or something <laughs> yeah, but I was part, yeah he was part of that like nick's yeah, the Burks. The, yeah, yeah, the Burks, all that kind of stuff where everybody was hoping to fit, fit those players into their TPEs and then the Pistons swept in. Um, yeah, I'm with you, Carl. 
the Westbrook love experience. That's a wild one. I That's know. Wild. I was I surprised, know. really surprised by that. But, like, uh, where does he fit in? We go in the guard rotation. How is he I know. He doesn't. He doesn't. I just, it's tantalizing. Like, it's Russell Westbrook, you know? But I know that's dumb. That's like a smooth brain take. I get it. <laughs> we're full of those here on the first of yeah, the floor. Exactly. That's what we're all about. about. Oh, anything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Terrence Ross. See, that that for a buyout. So yeah. He's, he's, he's not playing this year either, um, from what I've seen from the Magic this year. Not really, like, yeah. Yeah. Finally, how many years was it like, oh, Terrence Ross, part of the trade to come back to the Celtics. Mm-hmm. And it didn't really ever make sense because he was making like a pretty good chunk of change. It makes sense now if you can't get a wing on the on the market. Um, a veteran dude can kind of come off come off screens for you. Um, he's probably pretty washable. We, we would be disappointed by his actual impact. But I think that um, it would be solid for a buyout guy. He's shooting 38% from three this year yeah. um, on, you know, four attempts a game, playing 22 minutes. He's only played like 40 games or... Or I guess he played 42 games. So yeah, he's, than I thought. Yeah, yeah, he's getting some run. Um, uh, Yeah, give me Terrence Ross, even if it's just like, you, I guess we're not going to play the Magic again this year, but like, <laughs> just so I don't have to worry about him going somewhere else and torching us, you know? Like, the Heat will sign him, I'm sure, and he'll yeah. go like yeah. <laughs> four of eight in a playoff game against them. I'm going to lose sleep over that comment, Spoonie. Uh, okay, <laughs> RJ Hampton, Will Barton, I'm not... Getting any positive vibes but, from either of those two? Barton, you could call talk me into him. I always kind of liked him, but I was seeing some really, really rough uh, advanced numbers on Barton this year, like yep. one percentile on like value to a team kind of stuff. But he was always like, you know, confidence guy off the bench, get you buckets, um, tall. It's always good. <laughs> good dimensions. I kind of have a soft spot for RJ Hampton. Um, he's athletic. He showed some range. I know he is not good. He's oh, really man. not. I, and I wanted him to be good because he came from the NBL. Same yeah, time, I know. He came from the, yeah. any guys from the NBL. The Breakers, but, right? New Zealand, yeah, exactly. though, so, you know, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Say what you will about that. <laughs> Here's my thought on RJ. If you trade Pritchard and you have a roster spot and there's no obvious veteran buyout guy, he kind of can replace like the... Here's a deep bench guy. Maybe you can develop into a decent role player in the next couple of years or something. Like, Fair. I wouldn't mind taking a flyer and see, like, hey, maybe if we give him a little more structure than he had on Orlando, uh, maybe he can turn into sort of an Avery Bradley type where he just, you know, plays decent perimeter defense and knocks down open threes. But yeah, meh. Yeah, meh. Last two, and these come with qualifying caveat style additions. Jay Crowder, and then in brackets, unknown if Phoenix has interest in it, though. And then Josh Richardson, in brackets, mentions that the Spurs are so far below the salary salary floor, they may not buy him out, um, but teams are watching that situation closely. For me, it's Josh Richardson. Obviously, yeah. there's a connection with the existing roster based on his position within it a year ago. Uh, great I think contributor off the bench can shoot a bit, can defend a bit, can do a little bit of everything, knows the scheme. To me, it's a no-brainer. It just comes down to whether or not he's actually going to be available as a buyout candidate. He's more likely to be acquired through a trade, from what I can tell. If the Picasso of the trade machine has managed to infiltrate the Spurs organization, I'm talking about Bill Simmons, talked (laughs) about a Ben Simmons trade to San Antonio um, for like into that space. Actually makes so much sense um, mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons. It make it would it would make sense for for San Antonio to take on some 
bad money with some assets um, if it may end. And so that maybe that leads them to buying out Josh Richardson. He would be perfect. He would be perfect. Mm-hmm. And something to note, uh, I learned from the Winning Plays podcast, Danger Cut, speaking about how you can give the DPE from the Gallo injury, which is like the $3.2 million, you can offer uh-huh. that to buy out guys, which is more than the minimum salary yeah. that you can usually can, which just gives you um, a bit of an advantage. Now, I don't know around the league how many teams actually have DPEs. Uh, it can't be that many. Um, but yeah, Richardson coming back, he like literally would be, would be perfect um, yeah. on this team. I would be shocked if they can't find right. a trade for him, yeah. though. Um, but the Spurs hey. seem like the type of team that do like players and agents solids. So if they don't find a trade for him, I bet he gets bought out because they, they're just that type of organization where they're like, yeah. yeah, we'll do you a favor. We'll buy you out and then you can go play on another team. I don't think Crowder's getting bought out, no, right? No, no. Like no, that seems, seems crazy. Yeah. yeah. One, one you didn't mention, which again, I'm not sure on the reality of it. I've seen mixed reports on Twitter like Gordon Hayward. Yeah. Okay. I'm in, dude. Give me Gordo. If you back. get Gordo. Can you imagine? Yeah. Maybe this is how, this is how we break all the. He breaks the curse. It's the full circle. But dude, if you get man, you get Hayward on a buyout to play your 12 to 15 minutes. He's on the he's on the bubble wrap program that half our bloody teams on at this point. <laughs> he would be just unreal on this team as like that 12 to 15 minute guy. What if he walks the curse right back into the door? Then we're right back where we started. Oh, no. We That's finally, a problem. We finally got rid of it. I didn't think about That's that. <laughs> but now it's not so bad because it's not $30 million getting injured. Because yeah. he, he wasn't getting anyone else injured. He was just getting himself injured. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, I do yeah, feel like he, he took the curse on uh, in sort of a hero's role and then took it exactly. away to another franchise. So I suppose now we're ready to welcome him back. Sorry, Spoonie, what were you going to say? No, I yeah, that's my fault. Um, I heard some talk that Drummond get might get bought out. Yep. What are your thoughts on Drumbo as yep. like a third center? You know, just yep. eating up, the, cleaning the glass, and a couple dunks here and there, and then plays like fifteen minutes a game or thirteen minutes a game or something like that. Yeah, yeah I'd take perfect. him over Luke Cornette, and he's kind yeah. of been in that Ish Smith, uh, Karis Levert role of torching the Celtics at, at admittedly earlier portions of his career, but he's always been a guy that I've been weary of uh, whenever he's the starting center for whatever opponent we're playing having him come off the bench in certain situations in certain scenarios in the playoffs as well where a rebound is a is a must offensively yeah. or defensively that's a good tool to have um so and then just to keep him off any opposing roster i think is another the greg monroe effect if you will <laughs> yeah right. good reason to acquire him so i'm all, all for it, as much as i like uh lukey full blocks <laughs> I, I feel like drummond is another guy like terrence ross where it was every deadline off season not just Celtics fans, but it was it was a national beat, like beat drum beat that wanted people to trade the Celtics to trade for Drummond when it was like yeah. Tyus as the big man, and it was like when he was making eighteen million, and it was could not be a more sensitive nonsensical idea was to trade for Drummond when he was making eighteen million dollars, yeah. and it was very clear that as soon as he came off that he was going to be worth the minimum for the rest of his career. Yeah, but on said minimum, I wouldn't even give him the full three point two DPE. That's that's gone too far uh, for the big drum dog, but yeah, get get him on the <laughs> get him on the boards. Why not? Another drum weird dog free three shooter. Six drum fouls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah get again dimensions. Yeah, large Massive. big dimensions guy. Yeah, yeah. big fan. Uh, all right, to wrap up here, we're going to do it quickly because we want to try and keep it under one hour here for the first time, <laughs> maybe ever. 
You guys ran a great segment on last week's podcast, How Worried Are You? And talking about various trends, mostly negative ones, uh, you know, um, players and stats and trends sliding downwards and how worried are we as fans that they're going to continue moving in that direction. So I pose to you guys, how worried are you rival additions? What rumored trades from rival teams, other contenders, particularly in our division and or conference most worry you heading into the trade deadline? We'll start with you, Jake. The only thing that really worries me is the KD to an East team trade. I don't think there is a team, though, that really has the type of package that the Nets would would kind of jump at. <laughs> this is why I said the kind of last podcast, so like, if, the, if that starts to get momentum before the trade deadline... Like and Philly's about to trade for KD based off like a Maxi as the centerpiece. They don't really have, I think they don't really have picks as well. It doesn't make sense to me that, that the Nets would, would accelerate this if they don't have to. I think the team is still pretty solid. That's when you have to jump in with with like a Jalen trade because a Sixers team with KD, Harden, and Embiid is a, a pretty serious concern. Um, that's really my only. Only concern. I don't think there's, yeah, that's where I'm terrified. That's like a full 10 Ben Simmons, DEFCON 1 situation. Yeah. What about um, Kevin Love, Darius Garland, and Okoro for Durant? Ooh. Do you think the Nets would be interested in that? Mitchell, that be- Mobley, Jared Allen, Durant. That's, that's <laughs> oh my Lord. That's yeah. pretty nasty. <laughs> Again, yeah. Any, any of those East teams able to pull that off is very much a concern. Yeah. Did anyone mention the Heat already? Because the, the Heat acquiring KD, you know, they've got some, all right, this is not necessarily on the young side, but I'm, I'm already so terrified in terms of, the, through the scope of this segment, how worried are you? I'm just perpetually worried <laughs> about the Heat. <laughs> Constantly out of 10. And- <laughs> that's, that's what I was going to bring up, but Z Gamer actually just dropped it in the chat. Like, dude, if the Heat get like Jay Crowder, they're going to be so annoying to play yeah. in the playoffs. And they'll get them for like nothing somehow too. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how they'll be like Luka Jovich and a Deadman or something for Jay Crowder. And just be like, really, dude, now we got to deal with Jay, like fouling people and making threes randomly. Like I, I give me a, like a seven out of 10 on the heat, getting a guy like Crowder on the worry scale. That's pretty worried. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, Jake. Like, I disagree in that I'm not super worried, but I agree in that if they were to upgrade and get a piece of replace the PJ Tucker spot that they lost, it would be an issue. But I still think it makes them pretty much as good as they were last year. Fair, yeah. And I still think that the Celtics, when the chips are down, are better than they were last year. So the Heat probably still give us a really uncomfortable 10 days and six games, but yeah. it would be shocking. For, for for us to actually lose this series. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I prefer him to go there than to Milwaukee. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's one of the ones I had on my list as well, is the Bucks. I mean, I'll, I'm just going to bundle them all in together. Essentially, yeah. the Bucks or the Sixers acquiring any legitimate J stoppers, Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum stoppers. So, whether that's Crowder, whether that's somehow OG Ananobi, they're already good teams. That's why they're nipping at our heels in the seedings. The major advantage that we have is like you ask the question before every matchup, who's going to stop the Jays? And typically the answer is like no one, which is why we usually win those matchups. 
if they acquire yeah, a, a crowder. Great. Not, really not great. saying not saying that he's like an incredible uh, wing stopper or anything, especially at this point in his career. But he certainly helps. OGN and Obi certainly helps in that case. That kind of acquisition for that caliber of a team in our conference terrifies me, and I'm sleeping very few hours per night currently as a result of that. <laughs> Do any of you guys think that's at all possible or likely as we approach the the trade deadline? Go. It goes back to. If there's like you get a whiff of the Sixers or the Bucks able to pull off the OG Ananobi trade, you have to outbid them because right. the Bucks have no picks, the Sixers have no picks. Maxi's really the only asset on either team that would like outbid like a, like at least Grant's like a interesting young player that this that the Raptors would be interested in, interested in bringing onto the team, and then you know because that kind of signifies they're doing a bit of a rebuild. But outside of OG, like. I'm not too worried about Crowder. The last time he gave the Jays trouble was in the bubble three years ago. He hasn't played for six months. Um, that was when we were playing Daniel Tice and Shemi and Kemba Walker with one knee. Wanamaker. Um, Wanamaker. <laughs> Talk about how incredible the Jays are. That, yeah, like right. Look at those. They carried that team. The team. <laughs> really, not, really not that deep. Um, the OG part would be, would be a worry. Uh, but even then, I feel like the Jays have really gotten better at attacking OG um, lately. And this is a good thing about having two Js. There's one OG and Anobi. The Sixers currently have zero people to guard them. So unless they bring in two, um, Middleton's looked pretty solid since he's kind of come back. Um, that's the only team I'm worried about at all kind of at the moment. Uh, yeah, Carl earlier, I can't make myself worried about the Sixers. I can't make myself worried about the Sixers. I know they've won a lot of games lately. I watched them blow a 20-point lead to the Knicks last night. Um, I know that uh, we're the Celtics and we've been doing bad things lately as well. Um, but I just cannot, I can't be scared of the of the Sixers in like a full series. Um, we can dive into that another point, but seven game series, no chance. I think OG's going west. Like yeah, Memphis, like the Grizzly, like, yeah. Or New Orleans so. have so much ammo, dude. Yeah. Like they can just so easily outbid the Bucks or Sixers. So I think you're looking at one of these lower level wings and. I, I expect the Jays can roast Crowder at this point in his career. Yeah, I'm with you guys. So um, I'm not sure who's out there. The Bucks have like nothing to trade at yeah. this point. They really don't. At least the Sixers have Maxi, and you can dangle Maxi, I think, for a really good return. So they wouldn't. Uh, I honestly think they would move Maxi right so. now. Yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah. He's good. And like, what the Bucks are looking from the packages I've seen reported, it's Grayson Allen is kind of the piece that they move. So it's not like the Bucks are kind of adding. Um, yeah, yeah, he plays like, like that. He plays a lot for them. Yeah, and and he's a really good shooter. As much as he was abused by Jalen Brown, I've got the to Jalen Brown just like dusting him with Grayson Allen falling back on his butt, he burned into my eyeballs. Oh yes, absolutely beautiful that that game too by Jalen Brown. Go back and watch those highlights. Mm. They're glorious. I, I that they're losing something in Grayson. Like he's a forty plus percent three point shooter off movement attacks closeouts. Yeah. Offensively, Crowder has always been very streaky from the three-point line. Um, he can if he, if he gets hot against you in the wrong series, it can suck. But um, yeah, he hasn't played for a long time. And how old? He's turning thirty-three in like one hundred and twenty days. I looked it up last night. Um, nice. <laughs> yeah, it's he's he's going like this, and the Jays have kind of been going that like that since the. Since the bubble, so I'm not too worried about a crowded deal. But ideally, he goes to a non-competitive just because it's better. 
All right, so overall, it sounds like we're mid-tier worried at best, which, uh, and that's yeah. on average. You guys are actually bringing me down, which I appreciate. Uh, thank you very <laughs> much for that. Very quickly, just very quickly before we wrap up here in a minute, the Celtics are playing the Sixers at TD Garden Wednesday night. Very important game. We're coming up against, you know, a huge rival, at least within the confines of this season. There's seeding at stake. How do you think this one plays out, Spoonie? Uh, I, I just feel like we really match up well against the Sixers and, uh, the green with envy guys were talking about the Sixers and Will was like, you know, or, uh, Greg was like Tobias Harris resurgence and Will just like laughed in his face <laughs> yeah. about it. Yeah. And yeah, like, I, I, I don't think Greg was saying that he was just saying like, that's the narrative. And yeah, like Tobias. Tobias has just nothing for the Jays, dude. Yeah. Um, so you got to hope as long as the refs aren't effectively handing Harden and Embiid a whole ton of like 30 free points at the line, which could very much happen. I, I think we probably win this game and we'll get up for it. I don't think we have to worry about the effort stuff. We love playing Philly. The only thing that worries me a little bit is it doesn't feel like we can have Marcus back. I watched the game on delay today, so I didn't see anything from Twitter. Do we see anything Marcus related? No, I think no. he's out to the All Star break. Yeah, 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 and that's why I spoke. We spoke here last podcast. It feels like he's on the Rob Williams program now, as it's become very evident about how important he is to the success of this team. So that worries me because he is the best MB doubler uh, in the NBA. Yes, like there's no one that times that stuff up better. Um, Obviously, we have the Embiid smart brouhaha's, um, which we all enjoy. So we'll be, we'll be missing that element. Um, they've been really good, though, lately. The, the Embiid hardened pick and roll, which has been really, really dominant, is something that I think the Celtics could just play straight up in this game and the games in regular season. But when they come playoffs, you switch it. Because if you're going over the hardened Embiid pick and roll, he just hits Embiid on this like 12, 14-foot jump shot, and he's making like, 55% of them, yep. versus if you switch, get the MB to back down, that's when the Celtics start yep. doubling and swarming and force those MB turnovers. I wonder if they, they don't go to that tomorrow just, um, just because it's a regular season. But on the other end, I would like to see the offense really get moving because um, they don't have the perimeter defenders to really give us trouble if we're locked in and playing with pace um, and getting the ball moving. Um, if we get stuck, they have stout defenders. PJ Tucker, James Harden is, um, you know, not a good defender as he is. He is big. So, like, if they're kind of playing slow, they have the kind of the burliness to to stick with some of the Celtics. It does take an actual focus to to whip the ball around and start making cracks in the Philly defense because they are ranked like top five in D this year. Um, so you have to get Embiid moving, like they did in Game One of the regular season. It was a relentless, relentless attack. So that's what I'm hoping to see. Um, I usually just like don't care about the Sixers just because it's a regular season game. I think they could yeah. lose it. We'll see. I care about the seeding at this point, given yeah. how uh, tightly packed everything is there at the top. Yeah, I think the focus will be there. And they have a reputation to uphold in that they own the Sixers and they have <laughs> for years now. Um, and I think with that comes a confidence and like we have dominated these guys, you know, through recent history. And I think that that confidence will result in that free-flowing offense that you kind of described. The pick-and-roll defense today against the Nets, uh, the Nets, the Pistons, doesn't necessarily bode well for how that will look defending that Harden and Bede pick-and-roll, but I think they'll just be more generally up for it, like you said, as well. Yeah. So 
Going to be interesting to see. All right, that is going to do it for this one. Thank you so much for joining us. Like I said earlier, we are live streaming that NBA trade deadline kicking off about one hour before the trade trade deadline uh, comes about. Come and join us for that one. It's going to be lots of fun, and we'll talk a little Celtic Sixers during the lulls, if there are any, as far as the trade landscape is concerned. Thanks to everyone in the chat here, or if you're watching or listening later, please like, subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. Spoonie, Jake, love your work. Until next time, go Celtics. Go Celtics.